This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friends. It's time for some more Hasidic stories. And this week, because earlier this week was Yud Bet and Yud Gimel Tammuz, the festival of liberation celebrated by the Chabad Lubavitch community. I have a couple of Chabad stories for you. One to the Ferbengen, the Hasidim are getting together. Rabbi Avraham Zaltzman was telling a story about his childhood when he grew up in Lubavitch around a hundred years ago. And Reb Mendel Futterfass, who of course is one of the most well-known modern Chabad Hasidim, Reb Mendel was sitting there at the Farbrengen, and Reb Mendel, I've told stories about him in the past, he spent many years in the Gulag, came out with enough stories to write an entire book about him, and eventually settled in Kfar Chabad here in Eretz Yisrael, where he was the Mashpia in the yeshiva there. And so the Hasidim are sitting together, and Reb Avraham is sharing his stories of growing up in the Bavitch, Reb Mendel is also there, and Reb Avram tells a story when he was 12 years old. He probably had what we would call today ADHD. Probably people didn't know to diagnose it back then. And it was difficult for Reb Avram to sit and learn Torah. So he and two other boys in the yeshiva, who also had a hard time sitting and learning, were given different jobs around the yeshiva to keep them busy in a positive way. Which, of course, is a beautiful way to educate a Jewish boy. Instead of getting angry, telling him, sit down and fit into a box, the rabbis in the yeshiva in Lubavitch were smart enough to understand that every kid needed to be educated in their own way. And so for these three boys, their job was to go out and milk the goats from a nearby farm, bring the milk back to the yeshiva. But over time, this got a little boring. You know how many times can you go out and milk goats and bring the milk back? So looking for a little action, the boys decided to take some vodka, mix it into the water that the goats drank, to get them to drink all the water. One of the goats became completely drunk. He was stumbling around, making all kinds of noises. And these boys thought the funniest thing in the world would be to bring the drunk goat into the zal, into the study hall, where all of the other boys in the yeshiva were sitting and learning Talmud, learning Hasidus. So they carry the goat over to the yeshiva, they open the door, shove him in, and close the door behind them. And the goat, of course, just being an animal and not having any idea that this is a holy place, jumped on the tables, knocked over a few of the rabbis, scattered books and papers all over the place. It took hours before they could clean it up, and everyone knew who to blame. And so the three boys were brought to the head of the yeshiva, who was the Rebbe Rayatz, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe. But at the time, his father, the Rebbe Rashab, was the Rebbe of Lubavitch. And so they come into Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, and he looks at the three boys and he says, listen, we tried to find a way for you to contribute, but you did something that really wasn't okay. He told them to pack up their stuff and go home. And so, having no other choice, they went and packed up all their belongings. And a few hours later, they're sitting at the train station in the nearby city of Rodna. 
Avram turns to his friends and he says, we can't go home. We can't just leave the yeshiva. I mean, what would our parents say? And isn't this the place that we really want to be? And the other boys said, well, what do you want? We were kicked out. We were stupid. We did something stupid. And Rabbi Avram, he says, no, let's go back and ask them to let us back in. And the other two boys said, no, there's no chance. Come on. Didn't you see the rabbi's look on his face? He doesn't want to see us again. He told us to pack our bags and go home. There's no way that he's going to let us in again. But one of the boys said, you know what? What do we have to lose? We're already kicked out. What's he going to kick his head again? Let's go back and ask. What do we have to lose? And they argued back and forth. But Avrami didn't give up. Before the train arrived, he convinced one of the two boys to come back with him and give it a try. They said goodbye to the other friend who got on the train. And Avram and this other boy walked back to Lubavitch, having no idea what was going to happen. They knew they couldn't go back to the Rashab's son, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, because he was too angry with them. And the Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, they wouldn't have the chutzpah to go to him. And of course, he wouldn't override his son's decision, especially when his son is the head of the yeshiva. The only chance they had was the Rebbe's mother, the Rabbanit Rivka. She was like a mother to all the boys in the yeshiva. She cooked and sewed and washed for them. She took care of them when they were sick. She was there to listen when they had problems. She was the bubi, and she was the ima. She was the mother of all the boys. So they went to her house and knocked on the door. And when she answered, Avraham pours out his soul to her. And he says, we didn't mean it. And we were stupid. And we want to come back. And when he finished, the Rabbanit Rivka said, I can't go against the decision of my grandson. He's the supervisor of the yeshiva. The only one that might be able to help you is my son, the Rebbe. But I can't talk with him about this either. It's not my place. But what I can do for you is every morning at 10 a.m., my son, the Rebbe, sits in his room and drinks a cup of tea. Come tomorrow morning and I'll show you where his room is. And I'll open the door for you, but you have to do all the talking. And so the boys found a place to sleep in a field. In the morning they got up and davened. By 10 a.m., they were at the Rebbe's house. And Avram reports to the Rebbe Nitrivka. While his friend, who was so scared, he was shaking. He was waiting outside. So the Rebbeit lets in Avraham. She points to the room where the Rebbe is sitting, and she says to him, "Good luck, my son." And watches as he slowly walks to the door. The door was open, and when the Rebbe sees him, he looks up and he says, "What do you want? What are you doing here?" Little Avraham he says to the Rebbe, "I want to learn in Lubavitch." I want to be back in the yeshiva, Rebbe, please. Lubavitch, the Rebbe smiles. He says, come closer. There are many good yeshivas. Slabodka, Novodak. And he listed all of the yeshivot in the area, around 20 of them. But young Avram, he says, Rebbe, but I want to learn here in Lubavitch. And the Rebbe smiled, and Avram started crying. And the more Avram cried, the more the Rebbe smiled and laughed. And then suddenly, the Rebbe became serious and he said, We will think about it. Come back later today. And Avram walked backwards out of the office, sniffling, wiping his eyes and his nose. Then he stopped and came back into the room. And the Rebbe looks at him and he says, No, what do you want now? And Avram says, Rebbe, I'm sorry for bothering you, Rebbe. I have a friend. And he points to the back door of the house. He says, He's too scared. He's waiting outside. He also wants to come back to the yeshiva. And the Rebbe says, Ah, you have a friend. Okay. We'll think about him also. Come back in a few hours. And of course, Rabbi Avram is telling this to the Fabrengan, and he says, So you see, we returned to the Rebbe a few hours later, and the Rebbe took us to his son, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak. He said a few words and left. 
and his son gave us a stiff fine. We had to learn tens of pages of Hasidus and Talmud by heart. But he took us back in, and we sat and we memorized those pages. You see how my broken heart got me back into the yeshiva. And Reb Mendel Futterfass, who was listening to the story, he said, Tell me, Reb Avraham, why do you think the Rebbe let you back in? What made him accept you back into the yeshiva? And Reb Avraham says, I, I already said it. It's the point of the story. Because I wanted to learn so much in Lubavitch, I actually cried. My heart was broken for learning Hasidus. That's why the Rebbe let me in. And Reb Mendel was nodding his head. And he said, no, you're wrong. Your broken heart is not what got you back into Lubavitch. So Reb Avram, he shrugs his shoulders and he says, it wasn't? So how did I get back in? And Reb Mendel said to him, the reason that the Rebbe took you back was because you cared about your friend. You thought of another Jew. That's why he took you back. Because of your Ahavat Yisrael, your brotherly love for your fellow Jew, because that's what the Rebbe cared about. Do you think it was more important for the Rebbe that your heart was broken? What the Rebbe cared about was, do you care for another Jew? Because what the Rebbe really wants is, of course, for all of the Tom Tamimim, all of the students in the yeshiva, to learn Torah. But what is the point of learning Torah if you don't remember your fellow Jew? And when he saw that you got it, he allowed you to come back in. So let's look after one another, my sweetest friends. When you see a fellow Jew who needs a shoulder to cry on, who needs a hug, who needs an ear to listen to him, who needs sadaka, who needs to learn Torah, or whatever it is, remember to love your fellow Jew. This week we're heading into the three weeks, the three weeks of mourning over the destruction of the temple, and the Beit HaMikdash will be rebuilt through unconditional love for one another. So find someone and help them and show them that you care. Bezrat Hashem will be dancing together in the Beit Mikdash today. Bezrat Hashem. one more story for you. As I said, I'm sticking with the Lubavitch stories this week. And this is a story that I heard from my rabbi, Reb Shalom Brat of Blessed Memory. You know, the Alter Rebbe had many Hasidim that could have been Rebbe's in their own right. They were great tzaddikim. And one of them was Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Halevi Epstein, also known as Reb Eisel Hamlier. And he was one of the great rabbis, one of the great Hasidim of the Alter Rebbe. And when the Alter Rebbe passed away, his son, the Midler Rebbe, took over. And by that time, Reb Eisel was already an older man, the Midler Rebbe being considerably younger than him. Reb Eisel goes to the first Febrengen, and during the Febrengen, the Midler Rebbe says, a Jew has to always pray to be a Jew. And Reb Eisel was used to hearing very deep Torahs from his previous Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe. And he thinks to himself, for Torahs like this, I have to schlep my old body all the way to Lubavitch? Never mind, I'll be happy being a Hasid of the Alter Rebbe. And I'll leave his son, the Mitla Rebbe, alone. 
And so he goes back home and he's the rabbi in his town. He was the head of the Beit Din in Homel in White Russia, which is why his name is Homlier. And it was summer and it was hot. And he went outside, sat down under a tree, and he fell asleep and dozes off and has a little dream. He sees the local butcher coming. He's got a couple of cows with him. And the butcher says, hey, Rabbeisel, can I tie up my cows here next to your tree? I bought a few cows and I need to go pick up the other ones. So he says, sure, tie them up over here. I'll keep an eye on them. And a few hours later, still waiting, the police show up. And the police say to him, Rabbi, whose cows are these? And he says, what do you mean? They belong to the butcher. I'm watching them for him. They said, really? Okay, you're under arrest. He says, under arrest for what? The police say to him, you stole these cows. They're stolen cows. And so Reb Isley thinks, okay, this is completely absurd. The butcher came. The butcher's not a thief. He brought the cows. He tied them up. Obviously, it's the police just looking to make some money. So he takes a few bills out of his pocket, just enough so that they can see them. And he says, maybe look down here at my pocket and you'll find what you're looking for. And they look at him and they say, oh, you're bribing us? Now you're really in trouble. And they put handcuffs on him. And they're waiting for the butcher. And the butcher shows up with another two cows. And they say to the butcher, you're the thief? They arrest him too. Before he knows it, a couple of days later, he has a, a court case. They don't even listen to him. They just declare him guilty and send him off to Siberia. And a few days later, he's in Siberia, sitting in a prison, and he's trying to understand what just happened to him. He was simply resting under a tree, and now he's arrested and he's in prison in Siberia. And he's there for many months. And a month before Easter, before Pesach time, the priest comes into the prison. He says, anyone who's willing to convert, they'll be let go, and they can be home in time for Easter. I'll be back tomorrow. Any of the Jews that are interested in converting, I'll be here to sign your release. And there's a young 18-year-old boy, a chassid, who was very close to Rebizel. He comes over to him and he says, Rebbe, I didn't commit any crimes. They just picked me up and threw me in here. And I'm a chassin. I'm a groom. I'm supposed to get married next week. And I'm thinking of going to the priest. I mean, what's he going to do? Sprinkle a little water on me? Say some words in Latin, which I don't understand or believe in anyhow? What do you think, Rebbe? And Rebizel, he's shocked. He says, but Rabbi, I'll be home in time for my wedding for Pesach. And Rabizel says, chas v'shalom. Don't even think about it. And the chassin says to the rabbi, that's very nice of you, rabbi. You're already an older man and you've lived your life. But I'm just 18 years old and I'm supposed to get married next week. I have my whole life ahead of me. You know what, rabbi? Forget that I asked you any questions. And he walks away. And Rabbi Zul is really kind of offended. He went back to the chassin. He says to him, don't do it, don't do it. But the chassin just turned his back. He said, I'm going to be at my wedding next week. And the next day, the priest comes in. He says, does anyone want to convert? And the young man stands up. He goes off with the priest. And Rabizel is in such deep pain from the whole thing. He's just crying for this young man. But he's released and he goes home. And a year goes by. And Rabizel gets a letter from this young man. He says, Mazel tov, Rabbi. I got married. It's been a year. My wife gave birth to a boy. We gave him a bris. He says in the letter, listen, Rabbi, take my advice. It doesn't mean anything. The priest just sprinkles some water on you. When he says a few words in Latin, it means nothing. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to believe in it. Take my advice, Rabbi. Go with the priest and you'll be home for Pesach. And a few minutes after he finishes reading the letter, guess who walks into the prison? Of course, the priest. He says, tomorrow I'll be back. 
Anyone who wants to convert will be freed and can go home for Easter. And the priest comes in the next day, and Rabizel stands up, and he's sprinkled with water, and the priest said some words in Latin, and Reb Eisel is released after a year and a half in prison. So the next opportunity he gets, he goes back to Lubavitch and sees the Midler Rebbe. And the Midler Rebbe says to him with a gentle smile, So Reb Eisel, have you had any good dreams lately? And Reb Eisel realized that he didn't just have a dream when he dozed off under that tree. The Rebbe says to him, Reb Eisel, when Hashem tests us and challenges us, that's when we truly grow. And in your dream you were tested, and it's true that you remained steadfast. But at some point you broke down, just like almost anyone would. And then Rabbi Eisel understood that what he thought was such a simple thing, when the Midler Rebbe said that a Jew has to always pray to be a Jew, it was actually such a very deep Torah. And you and I, my sweetest friends, we have to daven to Hashem every day, that Hashem help us to be Jews. May we merit to daven for it, and may we merit to live it. Thank you so much for listening. As always, my sweetest friends, I want to thank one of the new supporters of the podcast, the Yudrin family, Yonatan and Dina, and their Baba Sally, and of course their kids, Zahava, Sarah, Amichai, David, and Hannah. Thank you so much for becoming contributors to the podcast, for being such loyal listeners, and for coming by on Hanukkah and saying Shalom Aleichem to me and my family as we were playing music by the Chanukiah. And thank you to all of you, my sweetest listeners, and all of the supporters of the podcast. Thank you for your support, and for sharing, and for listening, and for retelling the stories. And should you like to become a supporter of the podcast, just go to my website, you'll see a link there. And until next week, my sweetest friends, have an easy fast, beautiful Shabbos, and sei gesund. Bye.